You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. This is The Overflow with MC Brooks. Wise man say, forgiveness is divine, but never pay full price for late pizza. This is called Pirate Radio. Here's RG3, he's going to run for the first down, and still on his feet, RG3 is going to outrace everybody. Pull the lever, Unc. Yeah, yeah. I'm in my element like going sign. Niggas know that I'm the coldest one. Get hip to me, cause I'm Mr. Freeze. This victory with a frozen gun. Can't get me to hold my tongue. My vocab be like golden sun. Not your fave like my bros are. But low key, I'm the dopest one. Flow is a gift full of Mr. Lord. Welcome everyone to another edition of The Overflow with MC Brooks here on GGR Pirate Radio. Have a very special episode in the works for you. Tonight, we will be having a sit-down conversation with the author of a book I've been reading titled Heartbreak Alley, and that author's name is Shamika Irby, and she'll be joining me in just a few moments here. We're going to talk about her book, her, and uh, maybe some nerd stuff on top of that. You know, kind of never know where these conversations will go, but we'll get there when we get there. But before we get back into that, I do want to just kind of announce a couple different, a couple changes that are being made specifically to this podcast in particular. So I've been doing the overflow since about May. I think that's when I did my first episode. And going forward, we're going to be changing the format here just as far as how this show is going to go. So effective immediately. The Overflow is going to transition away from a show that is, you know, focused on specific topics and issues and whatnot. And this is going to be more of an interview show. So I'm going to bring guests on to come with me and I'm going to talk to interesting people about the interesting work that they do and hopefully give them a platform so that you, the faithful listener, will get an opportunity to get exposed to some of the amazing people that I've met and who make really awesome stuff. So this is actually kind of the first episode. I mean, I know I did an episode with my boy Gats a couple, couple months ago. We'll call this the, the first wave of this new format going forward. Um, if you do miss the old format, don't be alarmed. I am in the works, uh, not in the works. I am in the process right now of, excuse me, I'm in the process right now of uh, producing a new show that will meet all of the needs and all of the desires you have. So if you enjoyed how the overflow used to be, if you enjoyed the live episodes that uh, we did from FXPG uh, Public Radio's uh, studios, then yeah, more of that is coming soon. Just uh, stay tuned. In the meantime, though, As I mentioned just a few moments ago, I have a very, very, very special guest on the line. Uh, I have been reading her book for about the last week or so, and I got to say, it's been really hard for me to put it down, and I won't even lie. I am like awful when it comes to books. I, I have bought so many books that are sitting in my bookcase collecting dust, 
It's not because the books are bad. It's just that never got around to them. But I got to say, just from the very first story in this book right here, from the very first from the very first story, could not help but to continue reading. And I won't even lie. I almost missed my I almost missed my stop on the train a couple times. But it's worth it whenever you uh, discover something that is just so incredibly dope that you just get lost in the words that you're reading. So it is my honor to welcome my special guest tonight, Miss Shamika Irby, to The Overflow. How you doing? Hi. <laughs> uh, as I mentioned before, well, first of all, thank you for coming on. I appreciate you being here. Sure, no problem. All right, awesome. So we have a boatload of stuff that I, that that we're going to talk about tonight. But before we get into the other things that I want to talk to you about, I want to give the people an opportunity to get to know you. So uh, tell us uh, a little bit of your background. Where are you from? Uh, I'm from Philly, born and raised. Born and bred in uh, um, filthy, <laughs> filthy Philly. Uh, yes. And how long have you been writing? Uh, since about middle school, which, um, I don't usually have a problem telling people my age. I'll just say it's been a lot. It's, it's been a lot of years. Hey, don't be, don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. It's not, nothing wrong. Age ain't nothing but the number in this case, not the R. Kelly way, but in this case, there's just number. Um, um, so yeah, so <laughs> since middle school, so about more than twenty years. Ooh, been putting work in. Mm-hmm. Been putting work in. So, uh, what inspired you? Like, what got you writing? Because I, I feel like whenever I meet writers, we all have kind of a unique story of how we kind of got into, or how how we fell in love with writing to begin with. So. Um, what got, what inspired you to start writing? Um, I guess in a way it was my parents, just because my parents were, are, they are heavy readers. Uh, they had a lot of books when I was growing up and, uh, I used to read everything of theirs some of it was over my head because I was young, but I used to read it anyway. I read everything that my parents had on hand, and I mean, they had uh, his, they had history novels. I mean, they had history books and autobiographies. I mean, like everything from those kind of books to your basic Harlequin romance. Like they ran the gamut. My parents, between the two of them, read pretty much everything. So. um I got it from them. I, I read a lot when I was a kid. And even though it's not for some, it's it's not for some people, writing seemed like a natural progression from reading so much. Hmm. Um, because I found that the more I've read other people's stories, the easier it was for me to imagine my own. Um, and so it was like, and so I started out with just small, like, when I would read things, I would just kind of imagine how I could change that story or alter that story. And then I would make up stories like in my head about people I saw in real life. Um, and so from that came just the urge to 
one day start putting it on paper. So one day when I was like 12, I did. Um, so it, it really was books that got me into writing. It seemed like such a natural progression from all the reading that I did. That's awesome. Uh, do you remember the first thing you wrote? Oh, no, no. <laughs> I don't remember the first thing I wrote. And let's not dwell on that because I'm sure it was horrible. <laughs> That's not fair. That's not fair. Give yourself some credit. I'm sure. I'm sure. I'm sure it wasn't that bad. And if it's anything like what I've been reading in this book so far, then I'm fairly certain that it's probably not terrible at all. Well, I am fairly certain that it's nothing like what you're reading just because <laughs> um, I've been getting, I've been trying to ensure that I do things to get better and better as it goes as things go along, Heartbreak Alley, hands down, is the best thing I've ever done. And so I, I try to, every time I put something out for public consumption, because um, sometimes I submit to contests and um, I've put out two other short story collections before Heartbreak Alley and um, just, you know, little things like that. So every every time I put something out, I'm trying to top myself so Right now, Heartbreak Alley is the best thing I've ever done. And that's that's awesome so. to hear. And, and I haven't read uh, any of your earlier stuff, but I mean, I'm, this book, as I mentioned before, it's it's fairly incredible. Um, before we talk about the book, though, I, I do want to get some more on your background. So, um, who were uh, who was your favorite writer? Do you have, do you have a favorite writer that you that uh, was the catalyst? when you were younger, like the person whose style you were like, wow, like I like, so speaking as a musician, like for, for the most part, whenever we first get into it, we try to emulate the person who, you know, got us into it. So is there a particular writer or group of writers that were that for you that you were like, I want to write like this person? Uh, James Baldwin. Baldwin is my absolute number one. Uh, I never would have continued. I mean, in middle school, you know, you do it just for fun and you do it for kicks and to see how far you can go or whatever. But high school, when I started reading Baldwin, it was when I felt like I could be a writer. Like, I, like that's what I was meant to do. So, um so I'd have to say James Baldwin, definitely. Um, I never would have been a writer without Baldwin. So him, definitely. Uh, Hurston's my number two. Um, I'm a huge fan of her. Huge. Uh, she is. Uh, but Baldwin is my number one. So. so what was it about Baldwin and his writing that, that grabbed you? Like, was it the subject matter? Was his? Was it the way with words? Like, what? What about Baldwin's writing spoke to you? What I love about Baldwin the most is that he's absolutely timeless. Like, Baldwin has so many things that, I mean, it, pretty much everything he's written, fiction and nonfiction, still resonates 
today, like right now. I mean, at the end of November, they're making a movie out of one of his books, If Bill Street Could Talk. So, I mean, and you would I'm, think as many years as it's been since it was written and as many mm-hmm. years as it's been since he died, that the time for something like that would, you know, I'm, you know what I mean? Like ideas get stale. So it's like exactly. the time for something like that would be passed or whatever. But, but it's, but something like that is right on time. Um, because just for, I mean, really quick, <clears throat> sorry, for people who've never read uh, If Beale Street Could Talk, it's about these uh, two young uh, kids, Tish and Bonnie, and they're in love. And then Bonnie gets wrongfully arrested. Um, uh, he had an, an altercation with, uh, I believe, uh, it's been a, a while since I read, but I think he got into or was one or they thought he got into an altercation with a white person and he was uh, arrested. And so the book is about how the two families kind of bond together to try to help him get out of jail. So him and Tish can be together and Tish finds out that she's pregnant. And that is something that, I mean, if you just look at the, you know, just the kind of stuff that we're going through today, like that's something that clearly resonates. So what I love about Baldwin is that he's, he's timeless. Everything that I ever read from him fit the time that I was reading it, no matter when that was. And I mean, and Baldwin died in in the eighties. So it's like, I was just a kid when he died, but by the time I read his stuff, it still resonated with me. And so that's just the kind of, that's what I love about him. And that just, I also love, oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Continue. No, I was just saying, I, I also love technical things about Baldwin. Like, um, sure. when he, like when he writes, uh, he has good, he has good rhythm and cadence, you know, mm-hmm. the story flows well, which is really, um, important. Uh, and I try to kind of have that too. When I mean, I emulated Baldwin a lot when I first started reading him, and so and I did, and, and so I wanted to have that sort of thing um, and work on that. And I think that that's important for writers because it helps to keep readers engaged. Absolutely, and and that's the I mean, and that's the mark for I mean, people in any art form, but especially with writing. Because, uh, like I said, like the 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 big thing for me is the flow and the cadence are for me are the most important thing when I'm reading because uh, I do read, I do read a lot, and I you know I I, I try I have to find the time when it comes to books because I'm usually doing so many other things, but a good book when 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 it has the right flow or the right cadence. It doesn't matter what I'm doing. I'm going to find time to read it, whether I'm riding the train somewhere, whether I'm just laying in bed, whether I'm on the beach somewhere, whether I'm just sitting in a car waiting for someone, you know, that that's that's excuse me. That's, you know, one of the most uh, important things. And um, I got to say, too, with uh, I'm happy that you mentioned that, too, because your flow and your cadence with this book is also one of um, 
I mean, it, it's fantastic, you know? And like, I know I've said it like virtually at the end of every comment you've said so far, but like, I haven't really been this excited about something that I've read in a, in a while to the point where I'm like, yo, I need to tap my, tap my, my bros on the shoulder and be like, yo, y'all need to read this. Cause this shit is, is dope. So that's really sweet of you. <laughs> no, no, you're very well. I mean, thank you for writing it. Um, we can actually, actually transition and, and talk about it a little bit. So heartbreak alley, this is your third short story collection. Am I correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. Heartbreak so, alley is my third. So what inspired this? Like what, what, what was your, you know, what inspired you to put this collection of, of stories together? Okay. So when, so my first two short story collections both had uh, particular themes. And so I wasn't necessarily looking for a third theme. I was more along the lines of trying to figure out, <coughs> sorry, I was more along the lines of trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. And so I'm in my Google Drive and I'm going through stuff that I've already written um, just to see, you know, maybe I want to enter a contest. Maybe I want to, you know, figure out where to go from here. Maybe I want to take one of these shorts and kind of lengthen it into something longer. So I was really just trying to figure out where I wanted to go next. Mm -hmm. And so when I was, I was in my Google drive, just messing around and I realized, um, I started going over stuff I had already written and I realized that I had written a few stories about heartbreak Mm. And so I was like, hmm, okay. Huh. Well, and then, I, and then I just decided to go through everything unpublished and figure out how many I had exactly that had some theme of loss or heartbreak or, you know, something like that. And so when I sifted through everything I had, I had 15 of them. Wow. Uh, about some form of heartbreak. Um, and... I mean, just over the years, I had just written them and just really felt them. And so, and I had never really thought of what I would do with them particularly. I just, sometimes I just feel a story and I write one, even if nothing ever happens (laughs) with it. So, um, but when I looked up, I had 15 of these stories. So I thought to myself, I can write five more and I can make the collection. Like I can make a collection 20. So I just, I looked over what I already had and I edited myself to death. I have to stop doing that. Um, We're our own worst critics. I told my, we are. And so, (laughs) and so, and um, then when an, an idea would come to me, I would write a note and then I would sit down and see if something would come out of it or whatever. And it took me, Oh, wow. Um, Some stories take longer than others. So I had the 15. I got 16 and 17 down pretty quickly. Um, And then there was a little bit of a gap. I got number 18 down. I was at 18 for a long time. (laughs) I was, and the thing is, I was at 18 for so long that I was going to leave the collection at that. And I was just going to cap it at 18 and let it be. And then 19 and 20 came just really quick, fast. Like, so, um, 
it, it, and it was all just kind of about how I was feeling at the time. So I finally had 20 and they were 20 that I was proud of and 20 that I had edited and 20 that I had just kind of put everything I had into it. So I thought, okay, this is it. That's the collection. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to put it out. So, I mean, so Heartbreak Alley, um, for all that it's really the best thing I've ever done up to this point, it really came about sort of accidentally. Um, just my mind trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And then me realizing that I had unconsciously locked into a theme. That's usually how some of the best writing actually, or some of the best writing, some of the best projects come about. Um, I kind of had a similar thing happen. Um, when I put out, well, when I created my, what eventually became my, my liberation EP, uh, which was, I was kind of, I was in the same boat. I just, I put an album out a couple months earlier. Um, I was just kind of, I was just kind of in this weird space where I was just kind of messing around with stuff. And then I think uh, NaNoWriMo came around and I was just like, well, I'm not writing a novel, but maybe I'll try to make a project or something. I don't know. And before I knew it, I was like, wow, I have all of these songs and they, they kind of have similar themes, you know, like they're, they're not. And I hadn't come up with the title Liberation yet. But there was kind of a liberating air about or a liberating concept with each song, because in addition to, you know, talking about like liberation of black peoples, like I just got I'd also just gotten out of an emotionally abusive relationship, too. And so like the liberation that comes with finally feeling like you can be yourself again is also, you know, it's also great. And so. I kind of had the same thing happen. So I'd like, I think that's awesome. And, and I, I, and I, and for me, until I put my most recent project out, I was, I was telling everyone like liberation is probably the best thing that I've ever done. Well, um, uh, it's very good. Just yeah. so you know. Oh, thank you. I was going to ask though, um, why 20? Like, was there, is there some sort of significance with the number 20 or anything like that? There is not. Um, <laughs> there, there isn't. 20 just seemed like a round number. <laughs> Which is, and the thing is because, it's, see, and that's why, because remember I just said how I was at 18 for so long, I was just going to cap it there. Because yeah. there was no significance to the 20, except that that was the number my mind had decided on. So, so that's why when I got to 18, I was just like, hmm. Maybe I should stop here. This isn't happening. <laughs> so right, but they, but you know, it's hard to then turn your mind off from the number that you originally settled on. Like exactly. Like when I do project, like when I when I um before I did these last two EPs, I was just releasing projects. Um, my first three mixtapes and my debut album all have one thing in common, which is they all have exactly fifteen songs because that's the number that I've forever had in my head. Right. And I'm like, if I'm going to do a full project, he's going to have this amount. And before I decided to split Dark Dawn into two shorter projects, it had 15 songs. <laughs> and like, I, right. was, I was wrestling with myself too. Like, okay, well, maybe I could just do 13 and release it like that. But then I was like, man, 13 is such a weird number. 
I want to do 13. How about 10? And I was like, no, nah, I don't know if I can narrow it down to 10. This less. Oh, man, that's hard. It's so weird, you know? It's so weird. Um, but uh, getting back on subject, Heartbreak Alley just released September 30th. So I'm, I'm maybe about, mm, I'd say more than halfway. Like, I, I think I only have a handful of the stories. And I, I, I'm just curious. So as far as your inspirations, uh-huh. right. what inspired or like our, like I, I'm 99% sure you didn't live every life of every character in this because this podcast would absolutely have to go about three hours. If true, <laughs> that being said, um, what inspired some of the stories that, that came in here or that you wrote about it here? Like, are there any that were, you know, personal, like based on like, you know, something you went through, uh, maybe a friend or anything like that? Like what, what where did you draw the inspiration for some of these? Because I know you said that, you know, this project came together kind of accidentally. And so it came. Um, so like they were written at different points over a period of time. But uh, are any of these stories personal? Are they true? Are they just stories? Like, uh, talk about that to me. Okay, so uh, most of them, <laughs> all of them are at least partially made up. Some of them are fully made up. Uh, and uh, the title story is complete fiction. I never dated a musician. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, but I gotta say, just not to completely interrupt you, but you could never tell because reading that as a musician, as a musician, I was like, "Damn, is this how my exes felt?" <laughs> like my mine, minus like some of the stuff that he was that the the musician was doing, and I want I don't want to spoil it for anyone, but minus like the the stuff he was doing that led to, you know, how the end of the story happens. I was like, damn, is this how, is this how, is this how they felt? No, because this is the thing. Okay. So, okay. So I can, I can, I can draw it out a little bit. So, um, for the title track and like, uh, like you said, not to give anything away, but the title track, the main character is a woman who dates a musician. I never dated a musician, but I have dated other creatives before. Mm. So I drew on that. Um, so, one of the stories is about a woman's strained relationship with her sister. And that drew on something real life for me also, uh, because my sister and I have not been the closest. Um, and she does have, uh, health concerns now. Um, uh, you know, so, so, you know, so some of that is, you know what I mean? Some of that is um, real. Uh, I have two stories where the heartbreak involved is a daughter dealing with an addict parent, and I had an addict parent. Oh. Um, so they're not exact, you know what I mean? But yeah. some of them do draw on things that I've gone through. Uh, some of them are just completely out of my imagination. Um, 
Really, some of them are completely out of my imagination. I never went through or experienced anything like that. Some of them are just stories I never read before. So I wanted to, I mean, and that's what I always try to do. I, I try to write a story I haven't read because I've read a whole, I've, I mean, I don't read, I don't have as much time or even to be honest with you, as much energy as I used to have to, you know, just read everything. Like when I was a right. kid, I just devoured everything I could get my hands on as an adult. I don't do that so much, but um, oh, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So as an adult, I don't, I don't do that so much um, as far as the reading, but because of that base that I had, I have read an obscene amount of things, <laughs> books and essays. And, you know, I've read so many things. So that's what I try to do. I try to write a story I haven't read which is really hard, but I make an attempt. I mean, so, I, go ahead, no, go ahead. I'm sorry. So, so like I said, there, there's a good number of these that I got complete, that are complete fiction that got, that I got completely out of my head. Um, but there are some like the ones I just pointed out and others that draw on things I actually have been through. And that's awesome. And and during your explanation, it reminded me of this amazing quote by uh, Mike Shinoda of Linkin Park, um, who said when he created the Fort Minor album back in 2005, that essentially he wasn't really sure how to do it, but he just kind of set out to just make the kind of music he wanted to listen to. And right. then the project just kind of created itself from there. Right. What do you think about that? I mean, I think that that's exactly what you do. I mean, I think that that's probably the purest way to do it. I always tell people that when people ask me about how to write or how to, or what they should do about wanting to write or how to be a, a good writer, whenever people ask me stuff like that, I always tell them writing is honest and it's brave. Mm. Um, that's really what all the great writers are. They're, I mean, they're honest and they're brave. So it's just like there are places where um, maybe you'll touch a sore spot in yourself or whatever, but you have to keep going. Like you have to create the art for you and hope that people connect with it. So that's really, I mean, what you have to, I mean, because him saying he wanted to, make the kind of music that he wanted to listen to is exactly what you should do. Cause I write the stuff I want to read. So you create the art for yourself and you hope that other people connect with it. So that was such a great line you had there that uh, writing is honest and brave. It's honest and it's brave. That is, that is, that is a great line. And it actually is a great segue into the next thing I wanted to ask you. Um, okay. So you said that, you know, the majority of this is actually fiction, but there are truthful elements or uh, some stuff in there that was based on even loosely, but based on real things. So yes. where did you just like, how did you decide where you were going to draw the line with what you were going to, what you felt comfortable with 
presenting. So like I read the story that you mentioned with um, the estranged sister and then hearing uh, that, you know, just a few moments ago, you mentioned that it's it's sort of kind of based on something that's real. So like where where did you decide? First of all, uh, was it hard for you to write a story like that, knowing that you're pulling from a very real place, even if, you know, large parts of the story itself are fabricated, but you're pulling from a real place. So uh, was that very difficult? And where did you decide or how did you decide where to draw the line with the information that you were going to use to craft the story versus, you know, leaving certain things out so that it's not too real? Okay, so just to answer the first part of your question, it's easier than it used to be. And the reason why is because, hmm, what is this, 2018? So about five years ago, I started a blog. Um, I blog personally, we can get to that later. But the blog is my real life. It's like, real shit that I've gone through. It's real stuff that I've, I started by just watching things on TV and seeing what kind of topics came up. Um, uh, so I started writing about that, but I would relate it to my own life all the time. And then it would just be the next thing I knew it would be more and more and more of myself spilling out. And so the more I opened myself up on the blog, the more scared I was because it's like, People read things about you. They read that you're depressed and they read that you have anxiety. They read that you, that you feel unattractive, that you struggle with your weight, that you, everything that I've written, they, they read that you're unlucky in love, that you, that you're dating life with a dumpster fire. I've written all of those things. Like, honestly. So, um, I've written every single one of those things and every single time I'm writing something personal about myself, every single time I'm opening up like that and burying myself, I think, God, am I going too far? Like, do people read my stuff and just say, God, Shamika must be really fucked up on the inside. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're always afraid of what people are going to think. But then I thought to myself Mm -hmm. that I'm doing this for me. And like, you know, I mean... People read my blog, but I don't blog so people can read it. <laughs> I blog, I mean, honestly, <laughs> I, I blog because I need to. Because there, because a lot of times that emotion builds up and there's nowhere for it to go. Um, and I don't want to hold things in. That's really not the way. I don't want to be like that. So I push myself, even when I feel uncomfortable, and even when I think to myself, God, people are going to think, you know, I don't know what people are going to think when they read this about me. Every time I feel that, I go, that's how you know you're going in the right direction, Shamika. If it's making you uncomfortable. So it's just like, now you have to keep doing it. So when I blog personally, I let it all hang out. Like, um, and 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 that's what I, and, and because I promised myself I would be honest and I would be brave because that's why I'm doing it. So, um, right. So when I blog personally, I kind of open that door and I let it out. So when I write creatively and when I'm just making up a story, 
it's much, much easier to push through the hard parts because odds are I've already done it. You know, and mm. I've already done it in writing my blog and I've already done it, you know, just, you know, with things that I've, I'm doing with communing with my friends or with visiting my therapist or with, you know what I'm saying? I Like in other areas mm. of my life, I push through those hard places and I make sure that I do so that when it's time for me to be creative, there's nothing stopping me. You know what I'm saying? So when I'm creative, like... Mm-hmm. I mean, in as many years as I've been doing this now, there's no hesitation. Um, Cause it's just like, if I can write something that's true about me and open myself up like that, and no matter how embarrassed or how uncomfortable I was, I still click publish and I put it up on WordPress and people read it and they, you know what I'm saying? So it's I, like, I still did that about myself. So, if I can push past that line and that fear for myself, there's no way I shouldn't be able to do it with a character I made up in my head. So, <laughs> As- <laughs> um, so, so that's just to answer the first part of your question that there's, there's really no more at this stage in my life. There's really no more difficulty in pushing past those hard places. Cause like I said, in other areas, I've already done it. Um, as far as what I draw from in my actual life, I just try to think of the other person's privacy as well. Um, and that's the thing that helps me draw a line. Uh, just thinking of what the other person that I'm basing, that I'm, that I'm, you know, that I may be basing a character or a situation on, just making sure that the other person is protected. Um, so I don't want you to read the story about the two sisters and think that that's exactly me and my sister, because it's, it's large, it's, it's very largely fabricated. I just, mostly what I drew on for that story is the emotion from the state of our relationship. You know what I'm saying? So nothing in that story is anything that actually happened to me. Or to my sister. So, um, <clears throat> it was just me drawing on the place I was in when me and my sister were at odds and in, 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 in just the kind of conversations we've had, the tone of them. But you know what I mean? Her attitude and my attitude and, you know, it, it, it drew on those sorts of things or whatever. But it's, it's largely a fabrication. But to answer that question, I really just try to think of the other person's privacy. And I got to say, uh, I mean, that so far that that one. Because I kind of I, I kind of also have or have also I, I kind of have the same sort of not the exact same, but like the the raw emotion that you just alluded to. Like, I kind of have the same thing with me and a family member as well. And so, like. It was it was interesting reading that because it really it really affected me, you know. Like I, my, my relationship with this person is not the same as it is in this in uh, in the story, but it can still tell that like it still affected me and like I felt like I was there, you know. Um, yeah, <laughs> but I think I but I think that's that's something that all great writers, 
are, you know, are able to do, which is they're able to take an emotion or take a thing. And even if it's, you know, maybe not the most extreme, but they're able to draw from that and create something that is very real, that is very moving, and that can really affect people and really put people like there in those in those scenarios, whether they've actually been through that thing right. or not. And see, and that's what I want. I want <clears throat> I want you to be able to imagine yourself in this story. That like that's important to me that you could see yourself in it, that you could feel what my characters are feeling. Um <clears throat> sorry. So that's <laughs> so I mean that's really important to me too, just to have that connection with people and to I mean because when because I have stories where it's just like the main character is the main character usually is the heartbroken one so I just it's just like I want you to really feel where you know they're coming from and just you know like oh I've been there too or maybe not that exact place but I know exactly how that feels or whatever so. I've gotten through most of the book. I haven't finished everything, but I feel like each story is just a roller coaster ride of its own in a good way, not not a bad way. In a good way where you're just like you're so caught up in everything like you feel right. like you're there. Like for example, um one of my favorites that I've read so far and I'm not going to spoil anything for the people who are listening cuz I hope you all uh plan to go buy this book if you don't if you didn't already convince yourself to go buy the book but uh the story torn for example was one that really got me like i i've never been in that scenario before however reading through it i was really like i got felt like i was there through through everything and like each of the characters in there were so well written that like I felt at the end of it I felt conflicted from the perspective of I felt what each of the characters in the story were feeling like I had gone through it or not like uh the one the the one dude I'm sure you know who I mean but the one like the one dude like I felt that raw emotion of what happened you know and see and that's the thing so it's like because with because with Torn, I, I worked because it's, like I said, I kind of drew from my own life with that one too. Um, but with Torn, I worked really hard on that because the story has three major characters. And at the end of the story, I want you to feel like you don't know who you feel sad for most. Yes. <laughs> Like that, that's exactly what it was. So that was that was my basic thing, and and that just all and that just gave me the feeling of completeness, and that's one of my favorite ones for that reason because I feel like in that story I completely captured heartbreak in that one because you don't know who you feel saddest for. Exactly. At the end it, of it. Exactly, and it, it's it's funny because. In a way, it kind of it kind of reminds me of it kind of it, it kind of reminds me. I'm not sure if I want to use this reference or not, but it kind of reminds me of season two of Luke Cage in a way, 
And as I say that from the perspective of when you get to the end of it for people, have you seen, you've seen, you've seen season two, right? Not always to the end. <laughs> okay. Well, I don't want to spoil. I, well, okay. I won't say what I was about to say then, but towards the end with how certain things get resolved, there's a similar kind of conflict where you're kind of unsure of who you are more like whose story is more sad right? at, at its conclusion. And Torn reminded me a lot of that. But, I mean, it's not even just Torn. I mean, there, there are so many other uh, great ones in here. So I'm actually curious now. So do you, ha- do you have a favorite, a favorite that you enjoyed writing or a favorite that you would enjoy reading had you yourself not written? Um, okay, so the title story is one of my favorites. Uh, the book is called Heartbreak Alley. The very first sentence, the very first story in it is called Heartbreak Alley also. Um, but <clears throat> Heartbreak Alley was very, very, very special to me. Uh, so uh, that one was one of my favorites. And okay, Center of Attention is one of my favorites too. Uh, <laughs> and the funny thing about Center of Attention is it was the last one. It's not the last story in the book, but it was the last one I wrote. Mm. Um, and so I'm also really fond of... I'm thumbing through the book while we're doing yeah, this. Yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the, so the I can breakup was really, fen- was really phenomenal. Now, the breakup was... <laughs> now, the breakup is the one story in the book where the main character is a guy. So yeah, I did. I didn't know this that too. So I'm. Um, so it's in 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 as a woman who primarily writes about women speaking in a guy's voice, sometimes it's hard. So the breakup is one of my favorites because just because of the way I had to push myself because I had to because when I was writing the breakup, there were things that I had to go back and rewrite because I'm just like a guy would never say that, like <laughs> you know what I mean. So. I mean, you know, so the the breakup is one of those that really tested me skill-wise. And so I loved it for that reason. Um, ah, The Art of Forgetfulness. That's one of my favorites, too. I'm I'm a huge fan of that one. So um, I don't know. It's it's, kind of like trying to... Uh, pick a child. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I get I get that I get that a lot too. Whenever like uh, whenever people ask me about my own favorite writings or my own favorite mm-hmm. stuff that I've done, it's like how do you like, how do I right. pick some, how do I pick one? It's like I, I love right. them all for different reasons. <laughs> exactly, but yeah. So those are just a, a few. Um, that I really that I really loved and that I really loved writing. Um, they did. I don't know. I was. And the thing is, it's just like those are the ones where it's like once I finished writing them, when I was reading them back over, I was entertained. Do you know yeah, what no, I'm saying? No, absolutely. <laughs> like, 
So, um, though, but that's just, just, I mean, I, I do, I, I love them all. Like I said, I think it's my best work, but yeah. those are just a, a few. I'm really kind of head over heels about now. Are there any stories that you wrote that did not make this final edition of the book that got published? Any stories that, you know, <laughs> you were kind of on the fence about, or maybe you didn't finish or you didn't think it fit all the way. Like were there, were there, there was okay. one. There was just one. There was one story that I was going to add, but it needed, I'd written it years ago. It was years old. And so I went in to edit it because I'm a completely different writer now. Um, I went in to edit it and it needed more. It needed more context. It needed more story. And so I, I tried to do that. And so I tried to build around sort of the middle that I had and give it more beginning and more end, if that makes sense. Um, but by the time I was done with it, I was okay with it, which is not what I wanted to be. Um, I wanted to be happy mm-hmm. with it. Um, and I wasn't happy with it. I'm still not happy with it. I was tinkering with it the <laughs> other day. I'm okay with it. <laughs> no, I, I'm still I'm really, I'm, I'm still not happy with it. Um, so it, so ultimately, even though I wanted it in the book, it couldn't go in the book. And <clears throat> remember how I told you uh, center of attention. One of my favorites was the last yeah. one that I wrote. That story got bumped for center of attention. Oh. It was going to be the, the story that I was, that I'm still not <laughs> happy with. Um, was going to be number 20. Um, And that was going to be the end. And then when the more I tinkered, the more I thought I read it back over and I read it back over and I thought, this is okay. I'm okay with this. And then it was just like, it's not good enough for me to be okay with it. I have to be happy with it. So I was like, "Uh -uh, I'm going to have to pull this out. And write, I'm going to have to pull this out and separate my mind from it, write something else, and then come back and tinker with that later. <clears throat> so then I wrote Center of Attention, kind of on the fly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, just because I have a uh, friend who is, <clears throat> he was in love with somebody wanted to be with her um she just thinks that they're better off as friends Mm. so he's been kind of dealing with that um and not to give too much away but that's basically what's that's the center of the heartbreak and center of attention it's basically about unrequited love so i won't even um, lie that one actually did break my heart a little bit at the the end did it really it, it, See? It, really, See? it really did because I, I totally thought the story was going to end a little bit differently than than, than, than differently because it it's because it seemed like because it, it, it really did seem like and you know I'm after I'm at, you know I gotta put you I gotta take you to task for that because you really led us in a direction <laughs> you really led us in a direction like like this is a hey, like hey y'all check this out this this was about to go down right here. And then next thing you know, it's like, nope, stop right there. Nah, fam, this ain't it. <laughs> this is the place. I wanted to, 
I was like low key. I was like low key kind of mad. I was like, yo, like for real, like this, like this for real. Can't get no resolution. Yes. The hell. Damn it. No. <laughs> no. That's what you get. So it's just like, um, but yeah, but center of attention. And the thing is, and the thing is, center of attention came together really quickly. Which is another reason why it's one of my favorites because I'm really proud. I'm really proud of the fact that I basically mm. did it on the fly. I was just like, all right, all right. And the, for me, the thing is sometimes, uh, the thing is sometimes I can see a story in my head and I can feel it taking shape, but I don't know how it starts off. So it's like you're sitting there in front of a blank screen with your blinking cursor. And you don't have a sentence. So even though you have an outline in your mind, your story is nowhere right. without that sentence. Like the first sentence is undoubtedly the most Agreed important 100%. one. I mean, so, and, and that's true all across writing. You know, like I, I can't tell you how many times I like I have the idea for I'm do I actually have this issue right now with the song idea I have. I'm like, I want to express this and get it out. But if I if you don't have the right first line that'll let you vomit out the rest of the things you want to get out, then you're just not going to get there. Like it's so it's so vital, right? It is vital, and so and the thing about it is, I kind of tied it together. I kind of tied it together with the situation I just told you about, and then I tied it together with, and it's funny that you brought up music because I tied it with music too. So just to give you, so just just a, a little bit of, hold on, ow, that hurt. Sorry. Um, just to give you, like I said, I'm not going to give this story away for anybody, but I used to watch a lot of okay. One Tree Hill. Um, and of course, everybody knows that they play a lot of that emo sort of rock mm-hmm. on One Tree Hill. So, um, and so one of the songs they played on one of my favorite episodes of One Tree Hill is like midway through season four or something like that. And they played this song at the end of the episode by a group called Jackson Waters. And the song is called Mm. Center of Attention. And I love that song. So I pulled from that. And it's funny that you were talking about how your first line has to be right. Because the because I wanted to base the story around that. Around that song and around that line. Because that's what the song's about. The song's about yeah. unrequited love. So I wanted to base the story around that and around that song. And I wanted to pull from the emotion of that song. And the very first line in that song is you want your independence, but you won't let me let you go. So exactly. So, so, and the thing is, I think maybe I might've been listening to the song. And then I thought to myself, that's a great idea. And then all of a sudden, my page isn't blank anymore and I have a sentence and I know where I'm going and the thing in my mind takes shape or whatever. So it's really, really cool that you brought music into it because a song is how I got that story. That's, that's really awesome. And the, the funny so. thing is, is, is as I've been reading through this is, and I, I'll probably share this with you off air, but I've low key kind of put together a playlist in my head of songs that fit 
the themes of the of these <laughs> of uh oh i would love it if you shared it oh, i would share it with you know all what? of I'm my gonna, followers i'm gonna take that on as a as a personal project because as i've as i've been making as i've been making yes, my way through this i'm like do. yo this this really reminds me of this song over here and actually i don't remember what story one of the stories in here um, reminded me of one of my favorite songs by Atmosphere, which is my favorite hip hop group. And I don't remember, uh, I can't, I can't remember which one it is right now. And I'm sure it'll come back. It'll come back to me eventually. Um, but yeah, it, it, yeah. Like I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to take that on as a, as a, as a personal project. And I'm going to share that you with should, you. You should, you should. And you should. And when we talk offline, when we talk offline, I'm going to remind you about Center of no, Attention no, no. I, because I want you to listen I, to it. I already went ahead and said it. Like, like, I, as soon as you uh, said it, I was like, I don't know this song. Let me go to YouTube right now. And <laughs> oh, <laughs> so no, that's great, though. That's so awesome. So, yes. So, anyway, I, so a playlist would be very, Absolutely. very, very dope. So, because like I said, it's, it's great that you brought in music because the song is Absolutely. how I got that so, story. I'm yeah. going to use uh, this One Tree Hill mention as kind of a transition, just a, a little bit away from the book, because there are some other things okay. I definitely want to want to uh, sure. get your get you to opine on and uh, see what you think. Because I read the back of the book and I read your bio and you mentioned mm-hmm. a show that also happens to be my favorite show. And that is Criminal Minds. I am obsessed with Criminal Minds. At least I'm obsessed with Criminal Minds up until season 12 because they got rid of Hotch and I I like I I totally understand that their reasoning for getting rid of him was very valid, but it totally killed my interest in in watching the show. Oh well you well it's good because the writing in season twelve was yeah, I, absolutely I, I, I know. <laughs> it just it was it was terrible. Season twelve is by far the worst season of the show. They're back again for season fourteen. Um, I'm still is watching. It any better? <laughs> um, I'm still watching. Okay, so what I'm going to tell you is that the writing in season thirteen got better. It's still not. It's not. Um, that, what's my favorite I, season of the show? Seasons that four through great eight that you are mentioned probably that, my that was favorites. actually going to be my question towards you. Uh, what are your what are your favorite seasons? Because of uh, seasons four through eight, listen, Netflix never should have gave me Criminal I'm, Minds listen. because. <laughs> because I'm Listen, constantly the, I can't the, stop the, watching the day it. I found out that not only was Criminal Minds on there but they were also putting the, the full seasons that once they were done up there I binged through everything there were episodes if there were there were I mean there were there were definitely episodes yeah. in certain seasons that I couldn't remember or that I hadn't seen but I'm caught I caught up for me for me Exactly. Um, me, it's three through seven. I'm I'm partial to, I, and you know what? I don't even hate season eight. I enjoy I enjoyed season eight, but no, season eight has 
what I think is the best episode of the entire show. Which, and that's why which, I always include one? it when I talk about the writing being good. Oh, the episode with the yeah. human marionettes. Yep. Yes. The little guy wasn't real, dude. <laughs> he wasn't real. Yeah. Oh. That freaked me but that, the but fuck you know out. What? That's like that's the thing about Criminal Minds. And it, like that's the thing that got me so into the show to begin with, is that the writing for that show is so damn good and it's so th- and- See, and that's the thing, because Criminal Minds has been coming on since 2004, but I haven't been watching it since 2004. I started in like, I I mean, I started when they put it on Netflix and like when I found out it was on Netflix in like 2014 or something. So, and it took me like a month and that's how obsessed I was with it. Like it took me a month to blast through like eight or nine seasons of the show. And I was like... (laughs) crap it's so, and then i mean because you know you get that instant gratification there's no commercials you don't have to wait a week and then so by the time you get caught up you're thinking listen shit i gotta watch it on tv now i did i had, I had the same so. revelation in 2012 because that's when uh i i got introduced to criminal minds i'd never seen them before at like yeah it was this exact same thing like <laughs> right. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess. Um, oh, on that note, um, how do you feel about Gideon? Because I feel like I wasn't the I wasn't I'm not the biggest Gideon fan, and I find that when you talk to people about Criminal Minds, there are people who fall into two camps. There are the people who are like the best episodes were the Gideon episodes, those first two seasons. And then there are people like, yeah, yeah, trust me, I was surprised too. And then there are other people who are more like us who are like, no, uh, you know, seasons three and on were all of the best work. And I I mean, I mean, to be honest, to be honest, Hotch makes the show, not Gideon. Agreed, agree 110%. And, And but also, what it is for me is I think Rossi is just way more interesting than Gideon. Frosty is very interesting. Yeah, he. Um, I, I, I think his character is, is just way. Too, he's way more interesting than Gideon, and I think. I think he is. And I think. I think his personality too adds a dynamic that you didn't get with Gideon. Like, yes, this the show is serious for with it. You know, like it's meant to be a serious show, but it's like right. It's sort of like with Rossi, and with them kind of playing up the relationship between Morgan. And Penelope, that you kind of mm-hmm. got those, you got those, you got that personality that really adds to the character. Definitely, that really draws you to them more. Like with Gideon, I never got drawn to his character because of how his character was on the show, and so that's why I'm See, like, and that's exactly what the point is. Because yeah. it's like, all right, I'm going to give you an example. I was a huge, huge, huge fan of CSI. And all of the CSI spinoffs. Some people like some better than others. Whichever. Um, But I was in love with the original CSI. Right? Mm -hmm. And for... Did you... Do you watch CSI? I've seen episodes. I've never never been a consistent watcher. Okay. So the original CSI is based in Las Vegas. And the head of the team is a guy named Gil Grissom. And... 
when I was watching CSI, which I used to watch faithfully, <laughs> I used to like really I used I was obsessed. I used to watch it faithfully. My key, the thing I keyed in more on was Grissom. To me, Grissom had the most personality. Grissom was the one who draw you, who drew you in so much so that in later seasons, when Grissom left. I vowed to myself that after Grissom was gone, I wasn't going to watch CSI anymore. And I never did. I haven't seen one episode that didn't have Grissom <laughs> in it. The show went, really, the show went on like four or five more seasons, I think, after he left. And I never watched any of those episodes. They had Ted Danson on there. They had Lawrence Fishburne. I haven't seen any of those episodes. That's how <laughs> invested I was in Grissom. I, I told them, I said, I said, if Grissom leaves, I'm never going to watch this show again. And he left and I never watched the show again. Um, and so that's how invested I was in it <laughs> and in him as a character, yeah. really. But like when I was watching Criminal Minds, it never occurred to me after Gideon was gone that there was going to be such a huge hole that I wouldn't be able to watch it anymore. Like that never, you know what I mean? Like he, he didn't, he didn't serve that big of a purpose to me. I agree. So like, like, you know what I mean? So it's just. So I I never I never I I don't understand these these this this Gideon crowd. I never felt like that about Gideon. I, I, me either. But but you know what camp I am in? I haven't watched Criminal Minds like, since Hotchner left. You know what? That's so funny. That's the camp I've been. That's in. so funny. That's really funny. Okay, because. And the thing is, okay, so what I'm going to tell you is that, I mean, we all know that the writing on season 12 was hideous. It was so bad. And I was just like, when I, saw it season I don't 12 think was so, it was so bad. I was just like, I don't know that this is going to keep happening for me. Like, I honestly was just like, all right, after, I mean, because especially because Hotch left after the first few episodes of that season. Right. So it was like, no hotch and the writing is terrible. What are these cases? What? I'm not going to watch this anymore. I was just like, oh, this might be the end of me in Criminal Minds, and I might have to go back to Netflix and just rerun seasons four through eight over and over and reminisce or whatever the case was. Um, but then I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. I, I was talking to somebody, maybe my cousin or something. And I don't know, I don't know why, but they convinced me to give season 13 a chance. And season 13, the writing was only slightly better. Like, I feel like whatever team of writers they had, they fired maybe half the room. And so it's like, and so it's like the writing got a little bit better, but then it's still not there or whatever. I mean, and they're, they're back again for season 14 and you know, it's just like I'm not, I'm not especially motivated to watch it. Um, it's like if I get around to that, then I'll see if it's if I get around to it, I'll see if it's gotten any better. But I'm not necessarily motivated to keep watching yeah, it. Yeah, that's 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 kind of where I am. Like I, I I I told myself that you know eventually I'm going to get around to watching the later season, the recent seasons. Criminal Minds, but you know what the other the other mm-hmm. thing was for me too. It wasn't even just that Hotchner left, but when Morgan left too, 
was like, I was like, Dude. all right, yeah, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm good. I'm okay. good on this show. So Morgan left in season eleven. Yeah. I want to say, yeah. and I was like. Okay, don't. And I was just like, here we go. Don't dismantle my show. Like, why are y'all doing this? Like, if because the thing is, the thing is, it's just like, I don't necessarily like for shows to end. But at the same time, it's like, don't dismantle the show piece right. by piece. Just find a way to wrap the whole thing up. Like, for, like, if you're going to do yep. that, you know what I mean? So it's just like, okay, Morgan is leaving. Morgan is leaving. Prentice was already gone. And then they brought her back, which yep. was weird. And like, for me, and, and then for me, like you said, it wasn't just Hotch leaving. For me, it wasn't just Hotch leaving. It was the way they explained oh, him being gone. was such BS. Oh, my God. Was so, so stupid. Dumb. And I was just like, this this like, is stupid. Would, I'm not going to keep doing this. I was like, oh, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I would have much preferred they just re- um, recast his character <laughs> instead of just giving me some, some BS excuse. I, I could live with you re- recasting the character. Whoever they cast, they probably wouldn't have been as good. I'm, I'm almost certain they wouldn't have been as good. But I could, I could live with that. I can't live with some made, some made up stuff like, oh, he's here for two episodes and then all of a sudden, he's just gone because of mis- mystery threat right. that we never see on screen. Mystery threat occurs, and now right. he's, uh, and so- what is he in like uh, witness protection? I think. Yeah. He's in- yes, he went to Winsec because yeah. of Mister Scratch. Like, come on, come on. Like, I, I, I'm willing to bet they spent probably like all of five minutes trying to figure, <laughs> trying try figuring that out. Like, probably. Like, say, probably. Hey, what do we do with it? Uh, witness protection. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll do that. Yeah, yeah, that works. Good. They finally, they finally caught Mister Scratch in oh. season thirteen. Well then, in the beginning, and then and see, and then and then after he was dead, after the threat was over and he was dead, it was like, oh, Hotch is enjoying being a dad. He doesn't want to come back, and I was just like, this show's just it just gone down. Like I don't even know. It, it feels like they had if, and the thing about it, was, it is, yeah. it wasn't just they were like you know what you know them writing out. It wasn't just them writing out Morgan or Hotch getting fired or whatever. It was. It feels like they had some kind of shakeup in the writers' room in that show because people came and went in other seasons before. I mean, Prentice, Prentice. I mean, L. Greenaway came and went. Prentice came and went and came back and went again. I mean, you know, they had Alex Blake in there. They had uh, Kate Callahan for a season. You know what I mean? Like they had had, they had had profilers join the team and leave the team and people come and go before, but it was just like the whole overall writing on the show was still sound no matter who was there. So it's just like, it wasn't even just Hotch and Morgan leaving. Like, I feel like they had some kind of behind the scenes shakeup in their writer's room because something was vastly different with the show in season 12. And I was like, this is not right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was just, the whole thing was just weird. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I, I'm actually kind of curious. I, I kind of want to look into that to see if to see if uh, see uh, if that's true. 
because it because it really did appear that everything just started to to fall off. Um, I didn't I didn't watch very far in the season twelve, but the episodes I did see, I was like, this is this is absolutely, absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. They weren't good. So we have a um, couple minutes left before uh, we wrap this up. Uh, one one other thing I want to get into. I want to okay. get into with you, which is you're a Marvel fan. I and am. You're also a fan of. Uh, you know, guy who uh, apparently may be leaving the Marvel franchise and Captain. Oh, God, please, please. I'm not ready. <laughs> I'm not ready to talk. Please. I've, I'm, I'm, I have to I have to write him letters <laughs> and tell him not to go. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm really curious. But um, what, what, what is it about Captain America that you just enjoy so much? Like why? Why is he? Is he your well, favorite character? Your favorite Marvel character? Uh, yes. And um, why? Chris Evans is beautiful. Let's just get that out of the way. Okay, so movie Captain America is awesome. Let's 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 just put that out there. And for anybody who's listening, if you, I mean, I mean, anybody who's listening, I mean, if they like boys, they'll <laughs> love Chris Evans because he's. I mean, he's Chris Evans. So movie Captain America is like everything to me. But um, Captain America is my favorite because there's, this is going to sound corny. Because the thing is, this is like I'm. It, it, the thing is, I'm into comic books now, but I wasn't when I was younger. Like, I mean, because like I read like I don't know. I read like Archie comics when Same. I was younger. I didn't read superhero Same. comics, so I I never read superhero comics until I started watching superhero movies. And so, and, and then, you know, you, and, and the thing is, and the thing is, it's just like, I got into comics little by little, you know, more as an adult and, um, at least on the Marvel end, because as a kid, what I grew up with were DC yep. characters, Batman and yep. the justice league. So, um, so, you know, so there was sort of a shift. But like I said, I never really read superhero comics until I got into superhero movies. So I've been reading uh, more and more comics now or whatever. And what I always liked about Captain America is that there is a... There's a kindness about him. Um, and I know, and I know, you know, comics go down different paths. And I mean, and they've written... Um, a series of cat comics, I think, where he's an undercover Hydra yes. agent. Yes. So, um, so you know, he, so he does turn evil at some point or whatever. But, um, but what I liked about Cap that I saw in the movies and that I kind of carried over into the comics when I started reading them to know more about it was just that Captain America had sort of a like I said, a kindness mm. to him that always that always appealed to me. It's like, um, and in the movies they kind of draw on it, like you know. And and when you see other people talk about, like maybe on Twitter, when you see other people talk about comics, you know, people just sort of kind of 
they blow it off. They sort of, you know, make fun of it or whatever. They, they, you know, they, um, they give him this, you know, kind of goody two shoes kind of thing or, or they make, they make, they kind of like make you feel like cats too good to be true. Kind of like Superman in some ways. Right. 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 And I never, and the thing is, I never got that impression of Cap. Like, I feel like, like, you know, like no matter, like no matter what the underlying attitude is or whatever, um, Cap was, you know, genuine about who he was or whatever, just because, I mean, because even in the MCU or whatever, the way they play him off against people like Iron Man, because it's just like, Tony's an asshole, but a lot of people like Tony and respect him because at least he's self-aware. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so, and so they kind of, and so they kind of make you feel like, they kind of make you feel like, um, I'm in sort of in a different sort of in in a, in a almost in a in a higher class or whatever because you know he's an asshole but he's a genuine mm-hmm. asshole. So when you so when you get to Steve Rogers and he's like this good guy, it's like that normal human skepticism. Like nobody right. can be that good. So it's like you know what I mean. So it's just, so they kind of write Cap off yeah. in that way. And it makes him, and it, and it it makes him an underdog in my eyes, and I love that. I give you that. I I, so. I give you that. Um, I mean, I, I'll say I'll say this about Cap. Um, one, he has the best trilogy in the MCU, and I mean, well, I mean, there's and, that. And, and it's yeah. not even, and it's not even to say that, like the first two Iron Man movies are incredible. The third one. I personally like it, but I understand why lots of people didn't. For me, it wasn't Iron Man three wasn't bad. It was unnecessary. Yeah, it's just it was, like yeah, you didn't like I didn't really know the purpose of <laughs> Iron Man three. But, you know what I mean? So yeah, but with but with with Captain America, like the first one, I actually had to rewatch to really appreciate it because my first. Uh, go through of it where I was like, eh, 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 sure. Whatever. Nobody appreciates but, the first Avenger. And I want people to know that that is a great film. It's a wonderful movie. I, don't mind me. I'm a sucker for origin stories. Um, no, no, it, it's absolutely, it's absolutely, a, it's absolutely great, a great film. But Winter Soldier for me was the one that, that got me. And as far as I'm concerned, Winter Soldier might be the best thing that Marvel has produced. Oh, it is. It is. Without like, it question. Might, might be the best thing they it have, is. They have produced. It's it's just a it, like just not even just as a superhero film. It's just a fantastic film from mm-hmm. start to finish. It's the spy thriller you want. Exactly. It and, is. It is. And then and then I mean and then you wrap up the trilogy with you know bringing together everyone's favorite cast of characters in Civil War. Civil which was, was which was awesome, right? Which was awesome. And the thing which is, it's awesome. like, and there were so many great memes that were born out of that Captain America versus Iron Man uh, tiff that they had, and we've and we've talked about this, and we're not, we're not going to get into this now because we absolutely could spend another hour talking about that that 
I will yeah. tell you that I watch Winter Soldier almost weekly. <laughs> yeah, you can see that. You can see the the man that is the reason why Tony has a legitimate case to put hands on Cap. But if you follow, if you follow my Twitter, just search my at in in Winter Soldier. <laughs> oh no, no! Oh yeah! Well, we're, we're gonna get into, we're gonna we're gonna do that in just a, in just a just a moment, just a moment. But I want to I want to transition a little bit. Okay. I'm gonna do some rap some rapid fire questions. So rapid fire can be, can be yes or no. Oh great! Questions. I'm not and good at yes that, or no questions. Okay. Well, these aren't these aren't particularly in depth questions. So. Okay. okay. If you say so. I'm just saying. Okay. So first things first. <laughs> no, Marvel or D- Marvel or DC? Marvel. But I have an explanation. <laughs> no, no, no. No. Not no. No explanation. No, no explaining. Okay. Does pineapple go on pizza? No. Oh, thank you. Whew. So I might have to delete this podcast. Whew. Oh my right. god. <laughs> okay. Saving grace right there. <laughs> Best chain pizza place i don't eat chain pizza but if you had if if you were going to someone's house and they were like hey guys i'm ordering pizza (laughs) your your selection would be oh oh dominoes i guess uh there we go see look at you making good choices really The one out, al- the one album, or excuse me, the one artist you can listen to all day. Their entire discography is. Oh. That's interesting. Coming from a Philadelphia native. <laughs> is it? Is yes. It? Okay. Okay. Now, uh, speaking of Philadelphia natives, is Will Smith a dope rapper? Yes. Spoken like a true Philadelphian. What's that mean? That doesn't make it any less true. I'm just, no, no. I'm just. I'm saying no, no. I agree. I agree that he's dope. I'm. A, I'm a Will Smith fan. I'm a Will Smith defender. But not, <laughs> not, every, not everyone feels that way. He's become kind of this running punchline. <laughs> this running punchline. Well, people could could learn from him because he does still know how to spit, and he does social media better than anyone I've ever seen. Uh, facts. Okay, true or false? Oh boy. Are Eagles fans obnoxious? Yes, true, true. true. <laughs> I'm so ha- I'm so happy I I got someone from Philadelphia to say that. <laughs> Are you it's, a Redskins fan? No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I, oh. I'm, I'm boycotting them currently. Oh, okay. So, I used to be. Uh funny oh, well, funny thing is I actually got a uh, you got off that train. But yeah, trust me. Uh, funny thing is, I, I got flamed all last year on Philadelphia Eagles Twitter because of stuff I said uh, last summer about Carson Wentz. And I won't get into that now. I'll tell you that off air because I don't I don't want that traffic coming to this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and last but not least, the the most recent book you read was Charcoal Joe by Walter Mosley. And what's that about? Just I'm reading it now, actually. Okay. Oh. <laughs> um, it's his newest Easy Rollins mystery. Okay, awesome. Wait, is that part, it's part of a series? Yes, Walter Mosley writes a 
he writes more than one uh, series, but he writes a series about a private investigator named Easy Rawlins. And um, every every book is based on a color. So like Devil in a Blue Dress, you know, that was Walter Mosley. But oh, his newest one. Okay. Yes, I've heard of but that. his newest his newest Easy Rollins mystery is Charcoal Joe. And so that's what I'm reading right now. Oh, nice. You'll have to tell me about that after we get done. But we'll do. All that all that being said, we've hit our time. <laughs> um, I do want to thank you for coming on, being part of the overflow. Um, absolutely gonna have oh. But actually, before we end, because this is just the obligatory, you know, question you have to ask. And I told you I was going to ask you this question. So what's on the horizon? What do you have? uh, What do you have lined up? Any any other books, any other projects? So I took a poll. I took a Twitter poll and I took an Instagram poll. And... (laughs) Uh, I asked people what they thought I should do next. And most people said they thought I should write a novel next, which has been in my mind to do, but um, I've, I've been a short story writer for so long. Shorts are my thing. It's I mean, it, it's hard to, it's hard to get out of the, the, the feel of that instant gratification that a short gives you. Um, and, and translate that into a whole novel where you have to have story arcs and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Anyway, um, but I have been trying my hand at a novel for a little while. I just never really committed to it. So um, I took a poll. And since this is my third short story collection, I think I've represented myself pretty well on that front for now. So what's next for Shamika the writer is a novel. Ooh, I'm Whew. excited. I'm Please, ex- I'm afraid. I'm excited. If it's anything, I'm afraid. Anything, I'm very afraid. <laughs> don't be. If if it's anything like what, what I'm what I'm reading right now, I'm sure it's going to be fantastic. And once and you know that once this novel is done, you are more than welcome to come back on here and talk to me and the listeners of not only the, the Overflow but for GGR. And to talk about your newer project and see if we can drive some traffic towards it. Well, that is really sweet of you. That I mean, that that's really nice. And I want to thank you for having me because this was a lot of fun. Exactly. And that's that's my whole thing. That's my whole thing here. I want to get dope people doing dope work to come on and share their opinions, share their work, share their livelihoods with the listeners and expose the listeners to people that they may not have been introduced to just yet. So uh, before we get out of here, uh, where can people contact you on social media if they want to, you know, reach out about character or just tell you what they think? Where can people find you? Okay. So I'm on Twitter most of the time. I'm on Facebook. Under my real name, uh, Shamika Irby. So <laughs> you can find me on Facebook. I am on Twitter most of the time, though. My app is Shamika Writes. So S H A M E K A Writes, W R I T E S. So uh, anybody who wants to tell me what they think or ask me a question or just um, hear what I have to say about other stuff. 
can follow me on Twitter or hit me up on Facebook, whichever. So, and also, where can people yeah. where can people get the book? Ah, the book is on Amazon uh, in Kindle and paperback form. So if you just if you're on Amazon and you just search Harpic Alley, the book should come up. Uh, like I said, on Kindle and on paperback. If you're gonna buy the book, I really, really appreciate it, and I really, really hope you love it. And follow me on Twitter and tell me what you thought. All right, awesome. Uh, one final question, actually, because I just thought of this and I forgot to ask it before, but I'm gonna ask it now. What's your okay. go-to whiskey brand? Ooh, when I'm buying or when somebody else? When is? you're buying, when. Let's say money. Let's say money is not <laughs> money is not an issue. You know, it's payday, and you know you're trying to get something for you. Okay, if I'm in the liquor store, if I'm in the liquor store and I'm feeling good, <laughs> Bullet or Knob Creek. Good choices. If I'm feeling really good, Woodford Reserve. Excellent choice. See, this is how th- this is how I now know you are also a whiskey a whiskey enthusiast because you choose the good you choose the good. I am. Choose the good. I'm a huge whiskey fan. So if anybody would like to have whiskey with me, or you know, buy me whiskey, or talk about whiskey, I'm around. You know. And <laughs> And we're gonna wrap on that note. So for Shamika. I'm your host, MC Brooks. This has been another edition of The Overflow here on GGR Pirate, excuse me, GGR Public Radio, Pirate Radio. I forget which one we're using. But uh, be sure to check out some of the other episodes that we have here on GGR. Be sure to listen in every Friday to hear the newest edition of The Geek Sheets. You'll find me there. You'll find Mike. You'll find Steve. You'll find James Rambo. And you'll find... Uh, a, a slew of nerdy subjects, nerdy topics, and you know stuff that we'll be discussing every week. Also, make sure you go listen to to Mike's newest project. Stop if you heard this. He's done a project on Weezer, and he's done one on The Offspring. They're both amazing episodes. He has some um, other amazing stuff coming up. So be sure to check that out. Follow me on all social media. You can find me at MC Brooks. You can find me at Serial Rhyme Killer on Instagram. And once again, for GGR, this has been another edition of The Overflow, and we're out. This has been Pirate Radio Network Production Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs>